Hello, and welcome to the American Theatre Wing's Downstage Center. I'm Heather Hitchens, Executive Director of the American Theatre Wing, and I hope you enjoy today's program. Welcome to Downstage Center. I'm Elaine Page, and I'm delighted to be joined today by my Follies co-star, Ron Rains. Ron, you and I are back on Broadway. It's Stephen Sondheim's Tony Award-winning musical, Follies. Now, we met on this production at the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. and Having now, no idea that it was going to be coming to Broadway well, that's what that I'm going to say. And now here we are. We find ourselves on the Great White Way. But, I mean, this isn't the first time you've played Ben Stone, is it? I mean, what... What is it then about this character that you wanted to play again? What is it about him that... I've done two Sondheim shows, uh, on Little Night Music, many times, many productions. And I started doing Frederick uh, when I was uh, 34 and, and uh, with with your wonderful Cleo Lane. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But... Um, you know, uh, that's too young to play uh, uh, Frederick Egemann. And when I played Ben, mm. I was th- like 39 or something. And that's too young to play Ben. But w- those roles have always stayed with me, especially Frederick. And I've kind of grown up and grown into him. And as Ben, now Ben, I haven't been able to do since uh, then until now. But uh, the character definitely stays uh, with you. And, and things that happen in your life, you kind of go, ah, oh, yeah, now I understand more about this man mm-hmm. uh, he's a haunting character and uh, it's really a challenge to playing him. i suppose it's as what you're saying really it's like life experience helps you to mm-hmm. kind of uh, relate to the character better mm-hmm. do you reckon that the audience then i mean because the other night we saw a very young little girl sitting in the front row didn't we as we were walking off at the end what do you think she would have made of it i mean she could have only been about well, 10 years God, old I- I hope we didn't kill her theater experience the rest of her <laughs> do you life. Think it, you do think it is a show, though, that, that you know, whatever age you are, you, you get something out of well, it. Well, I think it is a generational uh, show that hits, um, hits you if you're in your 20s and you're your 40s, 50s, and then your 70s and 80s. Because, I mean, you know the matinee. Uh, the, the audiences are, are more of an older crowd, mm-hmm. and they laugh d- at different things That's in the show. That's because we're just wonderful in those yeah, scenes we're in the afternoons. <laughs> yeah, we're better in the afternoons and the evenings. <laughs> but it, it's, it's really interesting to hear the, the different levels and, uh, of laughter and what they, what they laugh at uh, different uh, age audience. But I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, do people come to your dressing room and say, you know, wow, uh, well, now and again. <laughs> I usually have to visit yours or Bernadette's. <laughs> My dressing room is so small. <laughs> we call it the rabbit hutch. You can't get anybody in there anyway. Listen, I mean, this isn't the first Sondheim show, as you said, for either of us. Have you learned anything along the way about playing in his shows? What is it about Sondheim, do you think, that well, sets I, him I apart really from others? Learn, I didn't really learn the importance of the lyric because, I mean, when, when you're doing a Mr. Sondheim show or, or, or the Cole Porter show or Frank Lesser show, you, you know it's about it's, the lyrics are, are incredible. And uh, what has been special for us, I think, both of us, is, is that we've got to work with Mr. Sondheim Himself. on on this uh, production, and he really has uh, clarified so many uh, confusions I had about how to quote-unquote interpret his lyric, and he just says one or two words, and it just snaps. Yeah, 
did it, didn't most it wonderful with you? teacher and director, isn't yeah. he? he? He really is a wonderful teacher. Because it's that By your thing pupils, of, you are taught. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Well, he he certainly. Uh, taught me a lot on this because he just sometimes has a way of just being able to clarify mm-hmm. exactly the meaning. Obviously, he knows exactly what he's talking about because he wrote it. Yeah. So that was what was wonderful for me. And uh, the other thing about his lyrics, I think, is that you you have to know them absolutely backwards, don't you? So that you don't really have to think about them because he never repeats anything. I know. I mean, there's such a lot of lyrics to learn. I mean, it's like uh, learning a, a, several pages of dialogue important. in a yeah. way, isn't it? Yes, Everything it is. is different and so specific. I mean, for me, and I'm still here anyway, you know, sometimes he says, and I'm still here. Then other, other, another verse, it's, but I'm still here. And, and then once only, there's, so I'm still here. But of course, they're all for specific reasons, mm-hmm. slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then I noticed that once you really do have, you know, once you've really got the lyrics down, which I had trouble with with this song, um, but once I really did get it down and know them backwards, it's an absolute pleasure to sing because he's sort of singer-friendly lyrics, aren't they? Mm-hmm. They advance the character and the emotion and it, the story is told through the lyric of a song. It moves you from one There's place so to another. Yeah. yeah. How did you... Um, first become interested in music? I mean, was it a major part of your childhood? Um, Well, my father was a minister, evangelical minister in in Texas most of my life, and I really started singing in the church. Uh, And I I think I sang before I spoke. I mean, you know, just uh, I I think my mother told me that I'd hold the the hymnal up and just, uh, just in Really? Yeah, so really sound. I think sound was before speech with me. And and I've always been a sound... Mm -hmm. um, Are you good at accents and dialects and things like uh, that? Well, (laughs) if I work on them. (laughs) Well, no, you're saying you've got a good ear, right? Your your Uh, ear is attuned to... Yes. Yes, but that's a verbal thing. It's an mm-hmm. accent, and that's that's a word. Sounds, sound. It uh, the power of sound coming from the the human. It's, uh, it was my first, and it's always stayed. With it's me. interesting that because when because music really first, I first realized that I could sing and enjoyed singing at school uh, at uh, in the, in assembly singing hymns uh-huh. so that uh-huh. funny yeah. so there you are you're actually you know in a church and uh, and singing gospel or, yeah, yeah, or hymns yeah. southern you know. southern gospel and of course that was all uh, with lots of emotion and, and that's what musical theater is you know it's singing a song with you know getting a lot of emotion across. getting the story and the feeling. Telling, and, yeah, the um, feeling. You studied at Juilliard, didn't you? Well, yeah, for a four year. I did my undergrad at Oklahoma City University, which mm-hmm. has a wonderful musical theater and uh, music school there. Is it anything like fame or glee? Uh, Juilliard, <laughs> uh, you're talking about? No, 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 it wasn't. <laughs> oh, go on, no, tell I was me. In the, I was in the opera department when I was in Juilliard for a year. What's the difference between singing, because you've done both, singing in the opera world and the musical theatre world? Well, you know, I started in the opera world, and I think I got here in the mid-70s. But I was always more suited for the operetta and the American classic 
musical, all oh, Kiss Me Kate, Oklahoma Carousel. You've done them all, haven't I, you? I've done all those. Those were my. Those is what I are what I cut my teeth on. And um, it was until in 1983 when I did the uh, Houston Grand Opera production of Showboat, wow. the, the musical operetta uh, by the great Jerome Kern, that I made the t- kind of the transition to the commercial theater, if you will. Is there a difference, you know, in terms of the art of it? Um, n- n- not for me. I mean, I just... I just keep trying to learn how to sing and tell a story. You sing great. But but the thing about it, and, and I think the thing about me singing, because I, I do approach all this legit, uh, legit singing, uh, voice singing, but it, the importance of the lyric has been the challenge for me making the transition from the opera uh, concept to the musical theater. Mm. And, and it was one of the concerns, and I asked Mr. Sondheim at one point, I said, uh, I'm not singing it too much. I want, you know, because I want, I'm speaking, speak, 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 singing with my, the integrity of whatever technique I have. And he said, no, you, you, it's good. It's, it, I so, think he likes it when we sing more because that was one of the things he said to me. Don't speak, sing. You're not allowed to speak, sing. I want uh, you to sing it. Sing, Just his, sing his, it. His notes that he wrote. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So we, we, we do do that's, that. That's Let's hope we do. But you know what? Um, I was going to ask you, because, you know, I often wonder, if we weren't doing this, you know, what, what, what we're doing at the moment, can you ever imagine yourself doing anything else than performing? Um, teaching. So me too. Yeah. How weird. Yeah. Have, you, have you ever given any master classes or anything? Mm. You always hate the uh, term master class. Well, you know uh, what I mean. But, like, uh, ma- I always call it mastering class because I said mm-hmm. we're all still – you never stop trying to master. That's true. And, um, but I've, I've a couple of them and I've got one coming up again uh, this spring. But I do like working one-on-one and when you really connect with with a student and are able to help that person, it's 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 great. It's very it's, fulfilling, it's, you know, isn't it? And, and and like you, I, I've done a lot of stuff on the stage. So, I mean, I've had that part of my life fulfilled. I mean, that's the amazing thing about Follies. Uh, with, this has been a surprise like, what? Wow. Hello. Hello. For all of us, surely. For, for, for all of us. I, I, and it's so wonderful, isn't it, to be part of this very special Follies, I think. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, with all this amazing talent on that stage, uh, with all our careers <laughs> yeah. kind of almost more behind us than in front of us anyway, yeah. and uh, and all that experience and everything, it's, it's, it's really very, very special indeed, I think. Yeah, and I think it goes back to uh, – uh, well, it goes back to a lot of things, but uh, but – Michael Kaiser, the mm-hmm. president of mm-hmm. the Kennedy Center, who had the vision and said, "We're going to do it. If we're if we're going to do it, we're going to do it right." And uh, and without him, I don't think we no, would have got to Broadway. Do you no, think? No, no. I mean, you're right. I mean, he wanted to do it well, really yeah. well. I mean, twenty twenty eight, twenty nine piece orchestra. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's never done anymore. And forty one in the in the on, on the st- on, on stage, stage, and then forty one or fifty backstage. Well, so, I mean, I was thinking about it, you know, because 
wondering if the theatre for you has changed much, you know, from when you first began to where we are now. And I was thinking that economically it's changed, doesn't it? In the sense that you just don't get this anymore with a, a full orchestra, lots of people on stage and wonderfully luxurious and lavish costumes and sets. I mean, that's the difference today, I think, than when we first began. Yes, and... We're making money. <laughs> well, you might it's, be. <laughs> it, it, no, not we're me. I mean, the show. <laughs> the show's making money. That's just, I it's, know. That's what's uh, amazing. Well, that's never happened before for not some time, Fal- apparently. Uh, it's, this Fal- is the highest-grossing yeah. Sondheim show yeah. ever. Yeah, full I think stop. it's fantastic. It is absolutely extraordinary. Is there a role that you've yet to play, do you think, that, you know, that people perhaps wouldn't expect to see you in? Is there, you know, still one on your to-do mm-hmm. list, that a special one that you I have want one to in, do in the spring haven't? with the Opera Theatre of St. Louis um, called Sweeney Todd, another oh. Mr. Sondheim show that you've done. Oh, I've done it. Oh, what a shame we can't do it together. Yeah, yeah. So well, to you speak. want to learn that again? <gasps> it frightened me so <laughs> yeah. much, that. Was that it hard was, to learn? It was so hard to learn. I think it was... One of the most, probably the most difficult score I have ever tackled, ever. It's tricky, tricky stuff. Um, not only again, of course, lots and lots of words to learn. Nothing is repeated and verse after verse after verse. But um, also there's a lot of strange rhythms and, uh, you know, Writing, especially for I don't know about your character so much, but obviously for for Mrs. Lovett, I think very, her writing is more difficult. Very than tricky, very tricky stuff. And of course, you know, in the opera world, you're asked to turn up knowing uh, knowing the score. So I uh, learned it at home in England with John Owen Edwards, mm-hmm. who I believe you know, mm-hmm. wonderful uh, musical director that I've worked with several times on the English stage, and. Uh, and he would come round to my apartment every day and we'd, we'd go over, you know, a section and over and over and over, just uh, repetitively, you know, mm-hmm. try and bash it, get it into my brain because it was really tricky. And, and, of course, that's how I learned it. But am I glad I turned up knowing it because we only had something like three weeks, I think, or a month to get it on. Mm-hmm. And even though it was the original Hal Prince production uh, revived – um, it was it was a hard piece to to do and to get on with all the props and all the you know the tech of people coming mm-hmm. and going and so on. Um, it was it was difficult, the most difficult thing I think I've ever ever done. Mm-hmm. And of course, the, being in the opera, New York City Opera is where I did it. Um, it it's a different process. It the, is the opera different. House has it. it is because their uh, opera singers obviously are much more um, focused on the music rather than the mm-hmm. intent mm-hmm. Uh, as an as actors. And in fact, uh, it was Kirit Carnawal that actually suggested to me initially about um, giving some, you know, master or whatever you call it. What do you call it? Mastering classes. Mastering <laughs> classes. I like that. You know, for opera students, because she said, you know, every opera world is much more focused and based on the music side of things. Um, so that's how I came to just going back to what we were talking about earlier about teaching. That's how I came to do that. But. Yeah, at the New York City Opera, um, it was all much more focused on the music and just moving people about. So to actually, you know, we only played 18 performances no, no. over Not a month. every night, did you? No, did you, we didn't do every night. Which... 
We did like two or three performances a week only because yeah. we were in repertoire with uh, something else. <clears throat> Don't you find at this stage of the game of life... Um, uh, eight a week is uh, a real challenge for us. Yes, and, you know, I do. Yeah. Of course we do. Yeah. I mean, it's particularly for you because you're on stage all the time. But you're tap dancing. I mean, you're oh, up there tap dancing. Eight minutes of it as well. Yeah. But, you know, that is one of the things, I think, about, uh, you know, getting older and maturing in this business. Whilst my love of it remains the same, uh, the old energy supplies <laughs> mm-hmm. are... You know, mm-hmm. less, aren't they? Let's face it. And, um, and so it is much more difficult, in a sense, to be able to... You have to kind of really pace yourself, don't you? Yes. Yeah, and, and, you know, people say, well, what, what's your day like? I said, well, it's, it's limited to outside activity as possible. Uh, I mean, you know, and you have to have life, but uh, but uh, it's you got it's all about those eight performances and reaching a certain level. You know, it's... Well, and also, I mean, doing anything, you know, extra like this, for example, you're using the voice mm-hmm, all the mm-hmm. time. So you, you do have to be terribly careful because if you do overdo it during the day, yeah. doing you whatever it, it is, you pay for it at night. And, of mm-hmm. course, then as an artist, you feel terrible, don't mm-hmm. you, because you want to give 110% all your time. And uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you, because this is something I've never had to really deal with quite in the same way, you have a family, Donna, your wife, and your daughter, Charlotte. You're all based here in New York. How do you manage to to juggle home life and a professional life? Because you know, America as well is such a huge country. I mean, I can't. you don't just pop home after a performance if you're in St. Louis or something, whatever. How, mm. do you, how have you managed to do that? Well, it becomes the, the, your priority, um, and when it's when it's when you've got your priority committed and set, then the you follow suit. You figure out how to how to make that work. And I remember. Uh, well, how do you make that work? Well, Does Donna and you know Charlotte obviously <laughs> is at studying, but your wife does I, she travel with you or well, how yes. does it work? When, when or you Charlotte spend was lots born, of time away when Charlotte from was each born, other? Yeah, when Charlotte was born, uh, uh, Donna, if I was working, uh, Donna would bring Charlotte, and we would do little house in our little apartment wherever wherever I was. And if Donna was directing something, uh, then I, and, and I wasn't, then I would take care. My mother also joined us, but it. When Charlotte was five, I committed uh, to really making a life here in New York, which I had not done. I had been mostly on the on the road, and uh, I did. I thought it would be in, a, in the form of a musical, but it came in the, the form of daytime television. When I did fifteen years on Guiding Light, and that kicked off my concert and recording career. So it was a whole other. I kept singing, but uh, I had that day job, if you will. And was that here? Here, here so in New York. Was, that, it, was, it was fantastic. So that was great, really, because it afforded to, you the, the... I could the, watch Charlotte grow up and be there fantastic. for Fantastic. Yeah. That's absolutely fantastic. Um, why do they... Uh, <laughs> I know. I want to ask you a question. Oh. You've done The King and I. You've done Anything Goes. Those are more of the classic musicals. Do you approach them any differently? Because you've done so many contemporary stuff and rock musicals and stuff. I happen to love The King and I so much. It's a great score. Oh. Isn't that a wonderful story a altogether? A wonderful love story. Wonderful, and... wonderful writing. Um, no. Did I... you have fun doing I bet mm. you did. Oh, was it... Well, for me. I wasn't the king. That's why. That's that, it, that, we, see, that was it. If we had been. If you'd been the king, wouldn't have been that? <laughs> been fantastic. One of my favorite roles. I only Gosh. did it once. 
And I loved well, it. Well, that was my problem. I, I renamed the show um, when I left The Kings and Me. Because <laughs> 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 I had so many kings. <laughs> oh. What happens? Certainly oh, not vocally ball. demanding. No, but the, the, the chap they um, originally cast, it was going to be uh, Lou Diamond Phillips, actually. He was oh. playing it here in New York, yeah. and he was going to come over to London. And was play it the it. same production? Yeah, you know, exactly the yeah. same production that I think originated in Australia, actually. Yes, I think you're and right. And then it came to New York, and then it, you know, it was going backwards around the world, yeah. uh, coming to London, and he was going to come with it, and then he discovered his wife was pregnant, and they didn't want to, her to uh-huh. be over. He had to sign for, I don't know, nine months or a year or something. They didn't want to be away from... Uh, the states when that would have occurred so he pulled out and so they cast a chap who i'll remain nameless <laughs> let's keep him out of it but anyway uh, who was a film actor actually and this is interesting because uh mm. you know to, to maybe if you're a film actor to do theater work maybe that's doable kind of you know with like let's say Daniel Ratcliffe at the moment, you know, a young actor who's mm-hmm. done all those Harry Potter things since he was that high, is now making a real good and proper transition into theatre with uh, all the different things he's done, Equus, and now he's here doing mm-hmm. How to Succeed mm-hmm. and everything. But I think maybe to go the other way around is is more difficult. I don't know, but uh, this chap was very much a film actor and had never, ever done any theatre. So that you imagine that to play the king mm. in the King and I, if you've never ever done any theatre, that would be a bit tricky, don't you mm-hmm. think? And it proves so, yes. proves it's the case. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so you know, it wasn't the happiest of experiences for me because the the balance of the piece was upset because yes. really, it's although it was written for her, it the balance of the piece actually is more about him than her. But yes. but. But for me, it was the wrong way round because because he was suffering, poor chap. Speaking of balance of of, of, of the work, I mean the the balance of the show we're doing together is amazing, isn't it? I mean the 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 cast and everything is just and how we have evolved and meshed together over time because it's 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 a very difficult, tricky story and book. Well, I think you you know, feel that much more than, let's say, my character or um, Jane Haldershell, who plays um, Hattie, Hattie. Uh, and sings Broadway Baby, or let's say uh, Terry White, who who does the wonderful Mirror Mirror number, because, because we are slightly sort of outside of the main thrust yeah, of the yeah. storyline. Uh, but for you, of course, you know, you guys, you and um, Jan Maxwell and Danny Burstein and, and Bernadette Peters, um, you're, you're carrying the storyline. And so for you, I can see it would be... Um, it's a different ball game, really, because yeah. you're having to play your scenes on stage. Then you go off for a few several minutes, and then you come back. So you've got to kind of keep the balls in the yeah. air, haven't you, uh-huh. <laughs> so to speak? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, for us that are playing these um, featured roles, um, it's not quite the same thing. You're able to kind of go off and. Um, but even having said that, I still have to prepare myself for that my moment, as mm-hmm, it were. Mm-hmm. And um, well, you've got one of the great showstoppers of all time. I mean, that, I'm still that, here. I'm still is here. One is, of those iconic. And I have to songs. follow it with a with a. <laughs> 
have to follow that. I thought I heard last night, the other night, somebody go, boo, boo. And I thought, my God, I'm being booed. And then I came off and a bird told me you were warming up and the wings, I'll kill you. Really? Yeah. I no, mean, I was booing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry you have to follow it because it's written that way. I know it. That, Thank that you, that Mr. It's a great song and it's a tough <sighs> one to follow because you're coming back on with plot. Yeah, with plot. <laughs> it's a bit like a pantomime. I, I, I got the old plot song here. <laughs> That's true. Indeed you do. But uh, but listen, you've got some great songs. Yes, I, mean, I do. Uh, the Road We Didn't Take. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all these wonderful lyrics that you're... Too Many Mornings, oh, live, Too Many laugh, Mornings, yeah. Live, Laugh, Love, live, is laugh, it? Love, yeah. yeah. You have a trouble with that sometimes, don't you? Yeah. Well, uh, it's, it's a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> I go into Swedish on, 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 sometimes I do. <laughs> oh, gosh. What drives you? What keeps you doing this? If I get a good offer. <laughs> Do you like to do television more than, than theater, or, or was that 15 years enough? Television is a, a whole other animal. I, I'd much prefer to do th- theater. Why? Well, because you've got an audience. I mean, television, you never know if you got the laugh or not until you hear it and they do a click track or something. Do you think we play it differently according to how the audience is reacting to us? Uh, I try not to, but... You know, it does. We, 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 we go out and we play the scene. Yeah. It's, sometimes, it's sometimes they laugh a lot. Sometimes, sometimes they don't. And it's like you go, what did we do differently? It's yeah. just the, the audience takes on their own little chemistry. Indeed, they do. <laughs> Let's hope we've got a good one tonight. Has anything ever on stage happened to you live that was extraordinarily funny or awfully embarrassing or, you know, I hate that question. I've got one. Let let me ask you. Elaine, has anything ever happened on stage that has um, caused you great embarrassment or (laughs) humiliated you uh, that you would like to share with the audience? Well, there's been a few things. Uh, Let me think. One, I remember when I was um, in Evita, uh, way back when, and uh, you know, it gets to the scene where there's um, uh, the two of them, uh, Peron and Ava, are having an argument, and he's in his bedroom and she's in hers, and it's uh, for the audience point of view, there's like a, a a wall down the middle and the door in the middle, and the door opens and he looks through it and he bellows and shouts and of course there was no dialogue in Evita it was all sort of like recitative and um, so he's having a go at her and then he slams the door and then she's shouting through the wall and and of course this is when she was already very ill and and dying really of cancer so it's, it's towards the end of the piece and it's all getting a bit heated and clearly she's um, She's not a well woman, and so we're giving our all one night. And, and I get to the, the bit where I've been, you know, going to open the door with gusto and give him some back through the door. And I go to the doorknob, <laughs> and the audience are all in, into it. You can feel it, you know, how you, know, you can feel that from the audience. And I went to open the door, and the knob came off in my hand. <laughs> the doorknob. <laughs> and it was the most embarrassing thing because there was no covering that up. I mean, ev- the audience saw it, everything. But it was a, you know, a dark moment. So, uh, 
you have to make a choice, don't you? <laughs> what are you going to do? Are you going to pretend it didn't happen and keep going? Or do you kind of give in to it? You know, and that's the terrible thing, that you have to make the choice. And actually, as I'm telling you this story, I can't quite remember what I did. <laughs> well, I was going to say, got, what did you I've do? I've got a funny feeling that I kind of, you know sort of threw my head up and threw the thing at the wall and, and hammered on the door instead. I, I kind of, you know, gave in to the fact that it was, you know, theatre. It's not real. But, <laughs> but then went back to the character and ha hammered on the door. So that was pretty humiliating, I have to say. When you're not doing um, eight shows a week and it's so tough as it is at the moment for you, what is a normal Ron Raines kind of day? Well, I... I, I... I have a, a very busy wife who's uh, you know, head of the opera division at Manhattan School of Music and, uh, and I have a very busy daughter and uh, I love just kind of getting in their lives and, and also doing my life, of course. I've mean, got, got my life. I don't know what do I do. What, are, what, are, what do you do in life? You just... Well, when you know, I'm not working, I have concerts. I teach. I, you know, I have concerts. But when you, when, but now you just kind of like want, I don't want to work too much. Yeah, I don't want to work too much. But can you ever imagine yourself not doing this at all? Uh, well, I, I hope it's a part of my life forever. But do you think it's something in us that we can't help ourselves? Uh, I think it is. Yeah, to some well, degree, uh, don't you think? Obviously, we've, we've <laughs> we're, still, we're, we're still, still here. here. That's a great uh, rapper right ba there. Our engineer for this program is Chad Bernhard. Downstage Center is recorded in the CUNY TV radio studio at the City University of New York's Graduate School of Journalism in Manhattan. Along with this program, all of the Wing's educational media programs are available online, on demand, for free from the AmericanTheaterWing.org. If you're a regular listener to Downstage Center, please remember that we are a not-for-profit organization and consider making a financial contribution to help support our work. Just visit the website and click Support ATW. For Downstage Center and the American Theatre Wing, I'm Heather Hitchens. Thanks for listening.